Glad you could join us today. My name is Daniel Cavanaugh, and I'm here with my dad, Charles. This is Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We're in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. Um, and we, this week, are jumping into a new series. Um, this new series having to deal with passivity uh, has been a discussion or a topic of discussion for us here for the last couple weeks or so. Partly because, or maybe I should say it was spawned out of a perspectives class that our church has been doing um, over the last, well I should say the month of June in the Bible study hour. And one of the things this past Sunday was um, dealing with passivity. You had the opportunity to sit on the panel and and talk about this issue. And so kind of got us talking and we thought maybe it would be good to do a series on this. because it's good for our church, it's probably good for other churches. Right. Well, and not only that, I think it's something that we see that's evident as far as being an issue, um, right. something that I think men in particular struggle with, it seems. Um, but I think all of us as believers struggle with a sense of passivity, whether it's in our own personal walk with him or in just normal responsibilities that we have that he has given us in right. our families and in our workplace or wherever. So, yeah, It's interesting that men in particular... I don't, especially if they have jobs, they work hard at their jobs, and if they're uh, in leadership at their work and they take that seriously, they would probably not think of themselves as passive. Right. It's very possible for a man to be passive about career things, and I mean, be active and passionate about career things, and and then be passive about his home, spiritual leadership, and his activity and responsibilities in church. Right, and I think what we're seeing also is in um, some of the younger. Um, moms, women of the church, is what we tend to see is is that there's a lack of willingness to be who they are supposed to be in their, in their responsibilities at home. Um, kind of wanting to kind of offset those. And we're not talking about necessarily women who are going career and, and doing that kind of thing. We're really just talking about normal, everyday responsibilities right. that you should have as a mom or, or whatever. So I think what we're doing is we're seeing a pattern here, and we want to deal with that pattern right. Right. Um, biblically. So today we're just going to talk about biblical examples. We're going to have some other series ahead of us, or I should say other topics in this issue of passivity, but we're just going to jump into biblical examples. And people may not think about mm-hmm. this one, but the first one that comes up is Adam. Um, he's an example of, as you said, a following when he should have led. And often we will follow when we should lead. Those of us who are leaders. Actually, uh, Adam was the first spiritual leader in hu- humankind. And, uh, he was, he, the scriptures tell us that Eve was made for him. That doesn't mean he was her dictator, but she right. was made to assist him, to be a help, helper that was suitable for him, that complimented him. Thus comes the the concept of complementarianism. Right. And um, so Adam and he both created in a perfect environment. So they didn't have any sin around them. They didn't have anything that was sinful. They didn't have something that was was held away from, from them. They were not allowed to partake of it. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And having said all that, uh, what we find is that Eve falls into deception. She is deceived and falls into transgression. Paul tells us that she was deceived. She fell, but by implication of that passage, Adam was not the one who fell in the sense that he, he just went headlong, deceived. and was, he, he followed his wife into this. 
she asked him. She, she gave it to him. He didn't say no. He took it. So he followed when he should have left. When we think of Adam as a kind of a concept of passivity, example of passivity, what is the initial impact of this passivity? Yeah, and that's, that's important to see. Hit the initial impact that, that, was, that was had in their relationship, in their situation, and that illustrates some of the initial impact of passivity in us. Um, at the initial impact was that um, there was... Um, um, the, the, this unbroken fellowship with God was immediately mm. affected. Which I think probably is the most um, harsh reality of it all. Because, I mean, now you're, you're separated from the God that you've been having beautiful, unending fellowship with. Right. You walked in the garden with in the cool of the day. Um, there, was, uh, there was also, also just now, because they disobeyed God and partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now they know things they weren't supposed to know. Mm. Now they are exposed to things they weren't supposed to be exposed to. So and just on the front end, now they know about sin. God had withheld the whole concept, the whole idea of the knowledge, personal knowledge of sin from them. And it was embodied in that tree. It was uh, the essence of it all was in that fruit, in that tree. And they partook of that. So that was, and that's true. We should bring that to light here for us. Is that if we are passive about a thing, there will be uh, what we call immediate or an initial impact. It, can, it could just be that we give the wrong message to our family or to our church members or even at work to people if we are passive. Well, you see the the initial, but I think probably the most glaring out of all this would be what you would call, and you and I discussed this, the universal impact of this of this passivity. I mean, we all feel the effects of what happened. Well, you think about it. You just go back and read the account. Um, that there there was a curse. Mm-hmm. There was. A curse on labor, a curse on creation, a curse on childbirth. A removal of fellowship from God. There was what, what uh, you know, as we, as we see in Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. All of this is universal upon creation and upon mankind. All human beings now would suffer death. All human beings would have a sin nature. They'd inherit that from Adam. All human beings. This is universal. No human being is born that isn't affected by the fall. It's a universal impact. Right. We look around us and we see disorder. Things go from naturally from order to disorder. We see uh, disease. We see destruction. Well, the tensions and the struggles that we are experiencing in society and our personal lives and our family lives and everything are all the result of this universal impact. Yeah, and I think we need to be careful. We shouldn't want to say, well, if I am passive about something, what I should be active and passionate about it doesn't affect the whole world, so I don't. I don't. But right. what we do see, but it is does that affect more than you. That's exactly right. It's, while there's an initial impact, there's also an ongoing impact, and we need to be aware of that. So I just need to say here, what's a remedy? You know, and the remedy is for leaders, those who have responsibility, to take the reins of leadership. Peter said that to the uh, to his brother elders in his letter, first letter, fifth chapter, where he says, "Take the oversight." Shepherd of flock of God, taking oversight of it. Mm. 
There's a responsibility for taking leadership, and one of those responsibilities is not to be passive about the things we're supposed to be passionate and active about. So, husband, love your wives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Deuteronomy six: Train up your children in the way. These things are very much. Children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, Pastors, take the ownership of your leadership. Okay, so we have Adam. As as we look at these biblical examples, as kind of being that initial person that we can see right. as, as the scripture starts out. But then there's another one that comes that people may struggle with, but when you look at it, David, was it's, which is really odd because over times he was very aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think that may be more telling for us is because David did so many things right. Mm. And we usually, when we talk about David, we say, but he was a man after God's own heart. He did defeat the enemies of, of the people of God. He did have a heart for building a temple and having a place for, for God to meet among his people. He did a lot of good stuff. But what he did as a national, political, military, and spiritual leader of the people of God, in some ways he failed in his family relationship. Now Solomon certainly learned from his, learned from his father. We know that right. from the Proverbs. But there's a particular instance when uh, one of his daughters, of course he had several wives, so he had mm-hmm. a lot of half-brothers, half-sisters, and that sort of thing. And one of his daughters was attracted to one of her half-brothers, and he wanted her. He was physically attracted to her, and he pouted because he couldn't have her, and then he connived with someone else, and they got together, and he actually raped her. He forced himself on her. <clears throat> and then when one of David's other sons found out, Absalom found out, well, he found out a way to kill this half-brother in vengeance and uh, payment, payback right. for what happened. Now, David knew all this happened, and he... He did not deal with it. So what did he do? He I ignored mean, it. Is, well, he, okay, so he ignored it. And then, uh, because he ignored it, there was a process that happened. <clears throat> and that's what we want to talk about. I think this process is common. I'm not going to say it happens this way every time. Generally it's, true. But it's generally true. One, one thing that happened was blame. So now we have this opportunity because it's not dealt with. We need to get the people together. We deal with it in a way that should be dealt with. Blame is blame on this brother, half-brother, blame on David, blame on blame. And that will often happen. We are passive about, especially relationships, and this is what we're getting illustrated here, and we don't deal with the relationships we're responsible for, then usually, and there's an offense, blame can come. I think blame also can be seen in excuses. Yeah. So it's, it, there's, there's an excuse level that enters into why we couldn't do something, why we couldn't right. do what we were supposed to right. do. There's a reason, and you just don't understand why. Or an excuse for doing something wicked, like uh, Absalom, he, he could blame his father. He could blame other people. He wasn't at fault for anything he did. Then after blame, generally, if, we, if it's not dealt with, it becomes bitterness. And bitterness, resentment, bitterness builds. because, And this certainly happened with Absalom because he is absolutely, totally put out with his father. This thing wasn't dealt with, so now it's boiling, seething right. underneath the surface, and which becomes an issue even further along. He seeks to take over the throne yeah. from David. I mean, that's which just, happens. So later, right. he just he builds a following yeah. and is able to create distrust and bitterness. All this passivity leads to this, and then finally, there's battle. There's a battle. There's, there's, a, there's a spiritual battle, and there's also a physical <clears throat> one, too. So. This one, there's a, there is an uprising, a rebellion, a coup d'etat takes place. And, and all because 
Now, would, would it have would that that have prevented all of this if he had dealt with it? Probably not. There's still been problems. Right. But there is a little something in the Old Testament law talking about deal with something the day you hear of it. And because he didn't, because it wasn't taken care of, then these things happen. So what does that say to us as men, as leaders, as even as those who aren't necessarily in a position of leadership? Let's deal with things, relationships, don't ignore them, don't be passive about them. Well, and the reason we picked these is, is I think, and I want to give this as kind of a sidebar here, then we, you have to be careful when you take Old Testament narrative and try to apply it to some moral truth. Because sometimes it's just narrative and things that happen. But I think in these examples, if you look back and you study these examples in Scripture, you see a very clear pattern. You see a very clear happening, if you will, of, what, of passivity. And what you say and is the true. of that. Yeah, what you say is true. And that's why I don't want to say, well, if we deal with something, that's all the problems are going to be solved. Right. I would never say that. Absalom may have very well still done what he did. He may have. But I do think things would have been different. How right. different? We don't know. And that's not really the point. The point is it's our responsibility to deal with the issues. Yeah. Okay, so we have Adam, David, next one is Jonah, and he really comes down to an example of withholding when he should have spoken. Yeah, Adam followed when he should have led. David waited when he should have acted. Jonah withheld when he should have spoken. And most of us know about Jonah. Uh, There's a place called Nineveh, a wicked city, and God is going to destroy that city and judge that city for its wickedness. And he told Jonah to go preach the gospel there. Jonah not only didn't go, he ran the other direction. Hmm. That's when the huge fish, sea animal, sea monster, whatever, swallowed him. He had spent three days, three nights in that belly there, and God dealt with him, and he came out. Now, to me, this illustrates a couple of things. If you want to bring it to Christian terminology, Jonah illustrates Christian responsibility and Christian rebellion. He illustrates Christian responsibility that God has said to us that we are a mouthpiece for Him. Not that we speak for Him outside of the Word, but right. the Word, the Gospel. Yeah, the difference being here, He was a prophet, we are not. Right. In the sense of a prophet. But we do have the Gospel. The word of God, yeah. And we do have the truth of God. We're to stand for it. And we're not to be ashamed of it. We're not to be ashamed and of the Gospel. When the opportunity Jesus presents Christ. itself, we, we stay exactly. stand fast. And, yeah. Uh, and that can come in standing for righteousness. It can come in witnessing to the lost and, and bringing the gospel to bear upon our consciences. That was something Jonah avoided, and I think often we as Christians avoid. We withhold when we should speak. And that's our responsibility. Every Christian's responsibility. We're not all prophets in the sense of We're not at all. None of us are. But we are all to speak forth the truth right. in the situations where God gives us the opportunity. Our conscience should drive us to do that. But not to do that, to refrain, and what Jonah did is rebellion. It's being stiff-necked, as the Old Testament calls it. It's, uh, uh, what this illustrates to us is that, that passivity is always disobedience. Mm, yeah, yeah I, I remember you saying that before we came on, and that's, that's a pretty direct statement. Well, I say it to uh, myself, and I tend to be a laid-back guy. You know, right. I'm not the kind of guy who aggressively attacks things and issues and things. I tend to watch and wait and do it when I have to, so I understand. But nevertheless, to be passive, to, to as you said, as we were talking about, pass on something, to let it go, mm-hmm. to not act, to ignore it. Well, and I think I brought up to you in our conversations when you had kind of asked me some, for some feedback before you went on the panel um, during our Bible study hour at our church. 
I, you had asked me some thoughts, and I said, well, the real issue comes down to, and I think we're going to look at this more, but the real issue comes down to this, passivity is a sign that you don't care. Lack of concern. Yeah. Or, there's fear. Fear can be an Fear, issue. I think fear, and, and we're going to look at some of these things. Right now, we just kind of want to give examples where people have in their mind, okay, what's going on here? What does this look like? Well, this is what it looks like. Yeah. And as you, as you brought up, our brother John Piper says... Uh, all sin is unbelief. And this is certainly a place where we see that. Mm-hmm. Unbelief says God's not big enough to deal with this. God's not big enough to use me doing what he says to do in order to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. And that's the issue. It's not that we get out of it what we think we ought to get out of it. It's that we have obeyed the Lord and not been passive about what he would have us to be active and passionate and involved in. Well, I, I'm definitely looking forward to the next few weeks because I think we're going to be able to delve into some some really good practical. I got to take a whipping on this one too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, we do ask our listeners to join us as we continue on in this series of passivity. Uh, we do thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you next week. Crosstalk is a production of Vision for Living Ministries. This is a free resource, but if you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting visionforliving.org forward slash support. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website where you will find other resources, including our blog. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash V4L. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org or send us a message on Facebook. Join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.